Welcome to my teenage self, Love Anna. Igari. A podcast where we talk about everything that has to do with love, heartache, heartbreak, friendships, being first gen, and everything because it's our podcast and we get to talk about whatever we want. Yes, we do. And today for our agenda, we are going to be talking about being first gen and children of immigrants. Yes. Uh, last week, we were talking about our parents. Right. And how our parents, uh, our experience with having immigrant parents. But I think we didn't really get to touch on the what, other aspects. Yes. And yeah. and like our personal experiences, not just with our parents, but with like the whole dynamic of being first, first gen. gen. Oh, absolutely. Because I think, I mean, I guess we'll get into it a little bit. Um, recapping how our parents came to the United States. Mm-hmm. Because... We have heard these stories over and over again. Yep. And I don't think nobody ever tells you the impact that it has having parents who migrated and being these like the the first generation American here and having to, to be that barrier between your parents' culture mm-hmm. and now this new American culture, no? Yeah, definitely. But not only your parents, but like also like your grandparents, your tias, your cousins, like you're all living different experiences of the same thing. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think it would be cool if we started off with like maybe telling our stories or the stories that our parents have told us about their journey here and Mm -hmm. how we were then able to be now in the United States. Yeah, okay. Um, Well, I can start. So, um, uh, I think I was mentioning it in our last episode, but my dad arrived here in the 90s. Um, he came here alone, so it was only him and my tío. And they worked here for a long time in the Gardena area. Uh, they gathered enough money to bring my mom and my older brother over um, like four years later. So now my brother was seven, almost eight. And then my mom arrived. And they arrived in early of early 1998. Cause I girl, I did oh, wow. the uh-huh. I did the math. I did the math. The nine, math is mathing. The math was mathing. Nine months later, guess who was born? <laughs> I was. And you are your father's daughter. You look so <laughs> much like him. I know. I know. There's no way. Like he could have never been like. Mm, I don't know if that's my kid. No way. No way. Like, nine months later, I was born. And then five years after that, they decided to have my little brother. Um, So now it's a family of five of us. But when they tell their stories, it wasn't an easy story. Like, my dad got caught once. Then he got deported back. Had to try again. um, And he crossed through the desert. So he was telling... Well, he always says the story of, like... Um, it was days where we would like have to hide and we'd go into these houses where there was just a whole bunch of people trying to cross the border. Um, some of them were get caught and he never saw again. There were women with small children. Um, and for him, I think it's still a lot that, I mean, I can't imagine the story, like actually living through that. Um, and then my mom crossed through the river and she crossed with, um, my grandpa, um, he hates the U.S., hated the U.S. always, but he knew that no quería que fuera mi mom alone. Um, so my older brother was on his shoulders when he crossed the river 
and then left them in Texas. And back then it was before 2011, so they just got some random person's paperwork. Hmm. Took a plane from Texas to LAX, and then that was the only time my mom has ever gotten on a plane. Wow. And that was it. And then they landed here, never looked back. Um, and then they had me, who I have been the first person to navigate everything because my older brother también es inmigrante he didn't have it was before that guy was before the ability to to have like scholarships to go to college so i was really the person doing a lot of like the the being almost like the representative for the family if that makes sense yeah um yeah i don't know how you your story i I don't think i've ever actually like heard your parents story so my mom crossed in 88, but she came legally through a visa. Oh. She came as a tourist. My whole fa- almost my whole family came as tourists. So they all just took a plane here. Like my mom. Wow. Yeah. My mom, my grandma, my, her her little sister, my abuelita Andrea, like her her my grandma has well, my grandma came from uh five sisters. Um, or five siblings, four sisters, one brother. And so all of her sisters came here like that. Like three of them came here like that. Um, just on an airplane, they all just got visas. Cause that's when it was kind of easy mm, to get a visa, yeah. like a tourist visa. And then they just overstayed. And then they just stayed. But that was my mom's story. So I feel like she had like the easiest, like yeah. crossing. Like, it's just, just get on a plane. And then you just and then you just stay here. And then you just stayed, mm. which is how she got a social security number. Because at that time they were just giving social securities out like to anybody, to anybody. Yeah. So they gave her a social security number, and then so she just got a license. She started working. She went to school. She just started. She just started. Oh, I love that for her. Yeah. Um. So like in that sense, it was easy. But like my tia, she had to cross the river. Like she was like she like charged through the river um and then i was telling you a little bit about my dad how like he traveled through mexico in a gas tanker like the big trucks with the gas tankers he got to um the border crossed the river swimming his mom was there with like a coyote and then they like then they crossed and they came to to la but my dad was sent back in 97 he was deported Mm. and then he came back anyways again (laughs) obvio they always do yeah um i'm not really too sure about like my tias or my tios, I think uh, a part a part of them always wanted to keep it very obscure because I think there must have been some sort of trauma involved. Absolutely, with how they how they got here. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, like <laughs> it's so funny because I mean before I mean I'm no expert on the rules and policies of this country when it comes to immigration, <laughs> but it used to be a lot easier for people to come and go into this country, you know? So oh yeah, before nine 11, like they would go party in TJ and then come right back. Cause they'd just be like, Oh yeah, we're, we're U S citizens. And mm-hmm. they'd be like, all right. Mm-hmm. And then they just let them through. And or, <laughs> yeah. Or like my grandma used to travel back to Mexico using her like sister's passport. Cause they really? kind of looked alike. Yeah. And they were like, I know. yeah, then you can go back. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So they did travel back and forth for some years. My mom never did, but my grandma did, my tias did, and like, yeah. Um, there's been like variations of of people having their papers and stuff in my family. So, right. so like for example, one of my tias got her papers like in the early 2000s, and then got papers for all her kids, and then so they've been traveling back wow. and forth. But like the rest of us, like 
really haven't like, yeah had anything. Anything. Mm-hmm. that's that's interesting the i want to go back to what you said about the trauma that they've lived through um because i think we carry it in some not anywhere near but i think the stories that they tell us allow us to get at least a glimpse of it and has um been a way been a way for us to like act on things or act upon things and and the journeys we've been through because we know the trauma that they carry yes like uh my older brother he still doesn't talk about his experience he remembers it vividly but Whoa. Thunder. <laughs> wow. Well, if you hear some rain in the podcast, it's it's storming in LA. Today. Yeah. This is a perfect time to record <laughs> this because it's like record breaking, you know, wow. storms in Los Angeles. Um, so yeah, if you hear some rain, some thunder. Just vibe with it. Yeah. This is a sleep it's podcast like- <laughs> now. <laughs> That's crazy. Mm-hmm. But going off of what you were saying about trauma. So I feel like a lot we carry a lot of the trauma in different aspects because we, even though we weren't the ones who crossed, right? Right. We, we've had it, I think, easiest out of everyone in our family. Yes, absolutely. So easy. Um, we there was still so much fear growing up. Like I don't know Oof. if I was telling if I think I had Oof. told yeah so much fear. I mean, it was like ingrained in my body. Like anytime I saw a police officer, it was like the biggest fear i was so so scared that they're gonna pull my dad over because they pulled my dad over because la is a sanctuary city so it's not like they would have like deported my dad but if they took his car then how are we gonna get anywhere how is he gonna take me to school how is he gonna make money how is yeah. like, and those are fears that i had in like the sixth grade seventh grade they, but it was like it was so like automatic in your brain of like oh my god we gotta act like if there was a cop that rolled by mm-hmm. just like oh my god we gotta act make sure everybody has their seat like there's so that there was no reason why we should get stopped oh yeah but that fear was still there i remember Constantly. being in when i was yeah i think we learned about like we learned about anne frank in like the fourth fifth grade yeah. at my school and i remember watching that movie with my family and like reading a little bit about her and just thinking like oh we're like Anne Frank ooh like we're we live in a we live, yeah i had made that connection in, as a child because we live quietly no one knows where we are we're not supposed to be here we don't make any noise we don't make any fuss our parties are quiet everything is quiet we try our best not to get in trouble we try our best not to get yeah. caught by the cops we're like living like silent figures in this world and i think that has also impacted a lot about like i never got in trouble in school nope. like I, I last last time we were talking about being like i wanted to be like being this madrosa but i never was because i think a lot of that fear stems from like getting caught and yes. getting in trouble and losing my fa- parents and losing like oh yeah because you know? there was so much to be like or would we had to sign any type of paperwork mm-hmm. it was always like well what are we signing it's all in english so you had to be extra careful. There was me, like this fifth year old, like f- uh, like in fifth grade, trying mm-hmm. to read this like medical or legal term, and I'm like, I don't. I just learned how to read two years ago. Like I don't, I don't know what any of this is saying. Yeah. But it was this fear of like you have to make sure that everything is in line, that you're not signing anything or or showing or giving too much information away because you don't know like 
if they could just take your parents away. Yeah. Like my mom has never, or my, like both of my parents have never gone to San Diego. Don't oh, yeah. want to go to San Diego. Oh yeah, are afraid of going to San Diego because that's a hundred a hundred miles within the border. Yeah, and it's you. That's it. Like people there are very different. We've never been. Everybody's like, yeah, we should go to San Diego. No, no, yeah. No, no, literally, my mom. So I think my mom got her papers when I think I was twenty three. And it, I was like 21 or 22 when her work was like, you have to go down to this conference at the University of San Diego. And she was like, no, I'm going to die. But the thing was, it was OK. So my mom got her job. She worked for a major university in L.A. Um, yeah. And she when she got the job, it was like 2004. And this was right before they were requiring proof of, oh, of citizenship. Right. So like, I think I don't know. A law hadn't been pa- passed yet or something had happened in that time where like they they would just ask you like are you a citizen and she was like yeah hell yeah yeah she was like yeah and they were like all right cool like that was it and and she had a a valid social security number it was her social security number oh my god so they never went in and were like give us your passport give us your residency give us your like workers permit like nothing they were just like are you a citizen she was like yep here's my social security and they were like cool (laughs) (laughs) and it was a major private university so they just did whatever the hell they wanted and so she just worked, but it was always this fear because like she couldn't say no to things like that because it was like, well, why don't you want to go to San Diego? Yeah. You know? Yes. And so she went and she had the time of her life because like it's now that we get to go to San Diego. Uh, well, we don't go to San Diego. We go through San Diego to TJ because my mom right. has her papers now. Yes. Uh, she it's like you see how little immigrant like patrol yes. happens in san diego it's like really just close to the border when uh-huh. it, it when it goes on but it's still that fear of yes. like we're not gonna risk it yeah never yeah like even like growing up was such a unique experience that thinking back i'm like no no kid should have to have this like physical feeling of fear that their parents could get taken away oh yeah and then what happens Oh, yeah. Because it was also the time where they were doing, I remember they were doing a lot of raids back in the day. Oh, my in God. Work, in, in the workforce. Mm-hmm. I think we read an article one time. And that article just uh, for school, like, it it made me cry because it released a lot of, like, the emotional trauma that I had lived through growing up of, like, my parents could just not come home one day. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. then what happens? And I think also what made our childhood worse is that we grew up in a time where the media wasn't the way that it is now, where there's a lot of fact checking that happens online. Right. There's a lot of like you can just investigate it on your phone. Like we grew up when it was like, what is it? Al Rojo Vivo was going on. Like, <laughs> yes, con Celeste, whatever, you know, <laughs> or like when like Christina or like all right, of these yeah, like yeah. news sites that were like all about the drama. You know, El Gorilla Flaca. Yeah, yeah. All of them, they were like, ex- like uh, exaggerating the fear that we had. Yes. Like, I think Al Rojo Vivo was the one that was like always posting the most anxiety-ridden stories and like, yeah. 
And so that was the TV that we were we grew up watching. And so they kind of exaggerated. Well, I'm sure they didn't exaggerate it, but like that's kind of like all that we had to go off of. Yeah. So it wasn't like we had a phone that we could like look up and there was like 20 different fact checking sites that we could yeah. look it up. It was a lot of like word to mouth to like look at the la cubridad o tu compadre about oh so and so happened yeah. like this happened to so and so you're like oh my god oh yeah it's so close to home like nos puede pasar a nosotros exactly exactly or like even like there used to have like like um check it check what what are they called the um are you talking about like uh like the drug the, yeah yeah those but i used like to the do them sometimes yeah the checkpoints yeah, yeah. And, like, I just remember having, like, phone calls and being like, don't drive down this street so and that so street. street. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. Now, but now, there's a, my dad still follows. There's a Facebook page that tells you that. Wow. And he'll still, he'll still do it. Like, he'll, ha- like, he follows them. And he'll be like, oh, my God, and this is, like, in any burial and I don't know what, they're doing a checkpoint. Like, we should, we should just tell everybody, like, oh, just make sure. Or he'll share it on Facebook. So everybody now it's more modern, but before it was like calling everybody. Yeah, it was scary times. Yeah. I mean, so much trauma that you don't realize. Like, but that's why when I was little, I really identified with the Anne Frank story because it was like we just lived a quiet, quiet life. You know what though? I've never like I always understood. I've always been a history nerd. I love history, right? And I was always so, like, intrigued with the story that happened in the Holocaust with Anne Frank. And I think you just, you just, like, cleared up so many of the reasons why I felt that way. Yeah. Or, like, why I felt, like, so... Identified? Identified. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have, I didn't have a word for it either. Until, like, I think one day it just clicked for me that that's what it was like growing up in a house where you're hiding i mean you're literally hiding you're hiding in in plain sight you are like because like you're going you're the quietest at schools you're you can't afford to get in trouble you can't like if i were to ditch school and get caught by the cops like okay for example that happened to my cousin my cousin ditched school and he got caught by the cops and my uncle had to go to court for him oh my god yeah okay exactly Bruh. can you feel that fear yeah of like what if my mom had to go to court and then they had to ask her her proof of residency what happens what happens yeah yeah so like growing up a lot of a lot of a lot of my childhood was just like looking out for my parents and yeah. like being in fear for my parents and yeah. and being afraid and what's crazy i think is that now I, <laughs> it's so funny because i go i've gone back to mexico now and I'm like, y'all left to go live in this country and be in fear and left this, <laughs> this magical <laughs> world of, of like culture and food and language and, and amazingness. Yeah. You well, know? I think part of the reason why we are so amazed when we do go back to Mexico is because we understand, like, I feel like here in the U.S., we're stuck in this, in these, like, conflicting cultures yes where our mexican culture is full of pride and love and joy and all of these great things but then you're also american but you're never american enough to be accepted into american culture yes and so you go to mexico you're like this is where i belong yeah this is beautiful yeah 
I don't have to like act some type of way or make sure my Spanish. Like you just are so accept. Like it's it's such a magical place where I feel like my my blood and my bones and every inch of my body understands that this is where we should have been. Oh my god, that feeling is unreal. Where you realize why you have felt like an outsider your whole life. It's like this yearning. Yes. you And you get there and you're like, oh, it's because this is where my body is from. Yeah. This is, these are my lands. This is my, this is where, I just got shows all over my body. But this is literally <laughs> like where I'm meant to be. This is where I was supposed to be. This is a history that I, that I should have learned. This yes. is, these are the people that I should be around. Like you, you know? let go of all that fear. Oh my God, so much fear. And like for the first time, like nobody, like, I mean, we grew up in LA and I feel like we grew up with people that look like us and we grew up with a lot of people who don't look like us and, and we just have learned to be diverse and tolerant of differences, but it's something else when you go back to your country and you're just like, no one looks at you funny because you look like everybody. (laughs) nobody's like are you are you where are you from are you mexican you know like like you know you are you are yeah instead you get the reverse where it's like you're from america huh you know (laughs) yeah i'm from america not by choice you know yeah yes oh my god but um i feel like growing up here all that fear now that i'm an adult has turned more into this like anger that i have for the united states and for making me feel that way and for making my parents live through that Mm -hmm. because i mean you haven't met my parents but i think just immigrants in general are some of the most hard-working dedicated individuals because they literally just they come from a place where they really had nothing oh yeah because Mexico is beautiful and it's amazing, but it, it was it's also very hard for them. Like, they grew up poor. Third world, yeah. So they just come here to this land to find something. Yeah. Anything. Because they didn't have anything. And so then they're faced with this, like, no, but here are all of these obstacles that you have to go through. Yeah, And now that I'm older, I, I am living in this, like, I'm so upset that I, that, like, my parents have to live through that yes. still. Because growing up, I remember, like, that pack, or that, uh, like, taking care of them. When they got sick, bro, they had no health insurance. They can't get health insurance. Mm-mm. So what do they do? Yeah. Like, my dad got pneumonia one time, and it was, like, a $1,000 like bill wow where do we get a thousand dollars from wow uh nowhere there's no government assistance yeah for undocumented people nowhere no and so it was like oh my god my parents are sick yeah like what's gonna happen and they didn't want to go to a hospital because they ask you too much fucking information at a hospital when they can't, like, legally, there's there's all of these things where they protect you at a hospital. But they don't know that. And a lot of the times, who's there to explain it to them? Yeah, there's, like, you start building this mistrust, like, where you, you can't really trust anything or anybody. And, mind you, there's a lot of generational trauma that happened here in L.A. Do you know about how the USC hospitals were sterilizing 
yes. Mexican women yes. in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. There's it was, no... I mean, it was like women of color. Yeah. Like Mexican and black women. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Literally removing their uteruses after birth. So they would have one child and then they would remove their uterus. No, no. Right? The thing that they would... Oh, okay. So in my... Mm-hmm. my medical brain you know some of the this is how fucking evil it was they would be giving birth oh traumatic already mm-hmm. wouldn't they had no idea what was going on you're lying at this table with like everybody is looking around you like you imagine how vulnerable you are and then they give you this paper to sign as you are in labor that's in english and they tell you some bullshit about like, oh, it's this no se que, just, you just sign it, it's for your baby, it's like this thing. And you would sign, and you were letting them remove your uterus, and sterilizing you. And then you were trying to have a kid later on, and you can't have a kid. And you don't even know. And you didn't even know that you had signed away that that like process because i mean that was the best time to do it for doctors if it was any time because you would just do it or sometimes they it would be like in like medical routines where you would like wow. go to your obgyn and then they do some shit to you that's genocide yeah you're like committing genocide to people to a group of to an, to an ethnic group yeah because you wanted to control their that's what they would do that's how evil it was Wow, that's and it just happened over and over and over again, and that's specifically to the women here in LA. Yeah, can you imagine the women uh, all throughout the country in the most vulnerable areas? Yep, in the South, in any popul any like any city that has a large population of people of color, they face atrocities. Yep, and like that's the thing is like immigrant people it, are the most vulnerable. It's like one of the most like they are one of the most vulnerable groups here yeah. in the United States. And I think, uh, do you remember Peter? <laughs> yes. So Peter, <laughs> when I was in high school, was, mind you, I already told him, told you that he was a terrible person. Here's one of the terrible things he told me. I remember he said, like, why do, why don't they, like, why don't people who come here, like, why do they only speak Spanish? Like, why didn't they just like learn English? Oh, bitch. Yeah, he was one of those. Oh, and I remember telling him like they do learn English. Peter, if you're watching this, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> but I remember him saying that to me and I was like they do they do learn English. They learn English in Mexico. And he was like, "Well, why don't they speak it when they come here?" And I'm like, "Cuz the most poor come here, homie." What? You like that's that's another thing that I think I you know, and my voice teacher told me asked me the same thing really yes she she literally was like she was like well you know i do kind of feel like i'm super progressive like as progressive as a white woman can be right she was like i'm super progressive and like you know i just feel but i just feel like if you're gonna come here like you should learn the language and i was like people don't want to come here yeah literally it's just because it's the closest one it's like also like you force people out of their countries you think people want to come to this shitty ass country? The U.S. intervenes all the time into every country, and then causes war and hunger and poverty. Yeah, 
to to deplete every country of its resources and it's done it in so many countries in central america and south america and mexico and they're always shocked like why do people want to move to the u.s and they're like okay well now we have too many so you have to go back now ridiculous absolutely ridiculous oh but besides the u.s i feel like and all of its atrocities because that could be a like a whole podcast series and there's like there's like fifty thousand of them out in the world right now (laughs) just talking about u.s politics but like how this directly applied to us i feel like i mean there's so much that comes to being first gen and like so much of the fun stuff too like growing up watching laura And going to a school where nobody knew what the hell I was talking about, you know? Yeah. And I don't know about you, but my grandma was a no como si se novelera. Like she was oh, like Oh, absolutely. Oh my god, Tormenta loved that novela. Went on for like oh eight my months. God. Oh my god. You know, at the end of my grandma's life, she didn't even watch like Mexican novelas anymore because they're just narcos. Have you noticed that? Like all of the novelas are just narco related. Yes. Like they used to be so good. It used to be about like poor girls falling in love with rich men and then changing their lives. Yeah, like the other. yeah. Or like Betty La Fea was like she was ugly, and she worked for this company. And then one day she, first of all, that novela did terrible things to my self esteem because <laughs> I thought one day I was just gonna be pretty. Let me tell you, <laughs> Betty La Fea, bruh, was my idol. I looked Wait, up to her. Did you watch the Colombian version? I though? watched all the versions. Okay, okay. I've watched the American. I've watched the Colombian. I've watched the Mexican. They have one for the U.S. now. <laughs> but she is my idol. Because I, like it was something that I identified with her so hard. Oh, yeah. I mean, like the crazy hair, the glasses, the braces. <laughs> that was me all of middle school. <laughs> Literally. But it was like, but it was kind of, it is damaging to the self-esteem too of a child who's watching that. And it's like, oh, they, they don't like you. Well, he did like her though when she was ugly, right? It was, I mean, he ended it it, like he fell in love with her after a while after like actually getting to know her. Yeah. Yeah. That's when I realized I was supposed to be funny in life. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, I was not, I'm like a very average person looking person. So I might as well be funny, you know? Oh, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> you got all the things stacked against me. <laughs> I'm going to not say anything because your man is, is in the next room. I'm going to just, I'm going to just say shut up because oh you're wrong. You're wrong. No, but I mean, there is so much. So, okay, let's touch on that, that beauty standard aspect. If we had been okay. raised in Mexico... Do you think we would feel this way about ourselves? I mean, probably, but fuck no. In Mexico, bitch, I'm a ten. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, have you seen? Have you seen? <laughs> <laughs> but Mexico still has a lot of the the beauty standards that are here in the U.S. I think, yeah, I think now more because of the the way that like social media has allowed everybody from around the world to just connect. In some ways, I think it's easier for us to. Um, transmit the same like just standards of beauty of race of whatever it is but i think it also opened up for people to be more accepting in some ways like i think now more than ever there's been more movement for like self-love 
Yes, definitely. And, like, body positivity. And especially for, like, brown, that, indigenous, and black yeah, bodies. Yeah, because growing you know? up, we didn't have that. Absolutely not. Growing I, up, it was, like, even in novelas, it was, like, todas eran güeritas. All the ones that got the bands oh, yeah. were, like, güeritas, super skinny, con pelo lacio, con, you know, that were tall and, like, blue eyes. Yeah. Y yo era, oh, like, I that's not me though yeah yeah definitely i remember because i went to school with enough white people that like all six of them and like but enough of them that i knew (laughs) but because you know i we had this conversation where like i went to a private catholic school so i didn't come from money like my mom was using child support checks to pay the tuition but like they came from money right. and they so and it was clear to me like I, I went to their houses they lived in big two-story houses in torrents with pools in the back and like she got her own room and you know like you know <laughs> that old rubbish oh my god and i had to share it with my with my grandma you know and <laughs> where it's very different lives where yeah. we were living and i lived in like hawthorne in hawthorne on the other side of the tracks you know right. so it like I just remember, like, they had, like, very light eyes. And I wished I had light eyes, too. And, like, I wish I had blonde hair. And I wish I was lighter. And, and like, I look up photos of myself when I was little. And I was brown as fuck. <laughs> just save. Just brown. Save. Let's see if we can put an f- image. Yeah. We're, like, right here. Yeah. I, you know what? We're going to put in these two images. We're... <laughs> Where this is how you know that we were meant to be friends. Yes, we're gonna put them I know right exactly now. which one. These are the ones. Yeah, yeah. L- literally, we were meant to be friends. Like yeah. you, same chaotic ass energy. <laughs> like that whole like we big were just belly, like, like brown, <laughs> like super gorditas, just hair everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. It's like yes, there's a lot there. We assimilating into being american would have been a lot easier if we looked a lot more american but we didn't yes we did not look american i mean i we don't look american or the standard american which is white white blonde blue-eyed like we don't look like that we grew up brown dark hair long like mustache unibrow like yes exactly oh i mean there was a time in middle school where i would try to straighten my hair and it would take me hours hours so long. i had just like this thick curly long hair but i wanted to be that like the straight hair with the makeup it's so cute but it wasn't me no and you know what's funny like i was listening to the podcast that we did last week and um i talked a little bit about how my mom would say things to me like when i would try to pluck my eyebrows and she would be like why would you do that yeah. or like um I shaved, like, the hair off my arms, and she was like, why would you do something like that? Like, or shave my legs, or dye my hair, or put eyeliner on, you know? Yeah. And I think a lot of her, for her, too, was, like, me still looking Mexican, and, like, a a Mexican child, versus, like, a lot of, like, doing your eyebrows, and, like, depilándote your eyebrows, or, like, you know, like, the eyeliner, that, like, shaving your arm hair off, like, it was, I think to my mom, a lot of it was like you're not in love with being mexican yes because those things are mexican because you look like me and i am from mexico and you don't want to look like me i think one of the the best things about being first generation is that we still had that like deep connection to to that mexican or that like uh hondurian or whatever like 
indigenous non-american as like culture mm-hmm. that our parents came from because we it was it like I, we still had everything yeah and now uh i've noticed that with my students who are now like second or third generation american that their parents are now like you know my brother's age and they were already here so their parents speak english and they've lived through what we lived through they I, I sense this feeling of, like, being more lost. Yes. Because they still look Mexican. Yes. But they don't, they're not as close to that side. And so they're like, oh. oh. And now that they're taking my my class, I teach Spanish, right? So now that they take my class, I they get a lot of the cultural aspects. And they're like, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Definitely. I didn't know that about about me or about my culture i never asked questions i never like i i didn't celebrate uh, we don't celebrate this anymore like it's not part of my culture but it is it is yeah i think that's that's one of my biggest fears like if i were to have a kid because i don't want them to lose because they're gonna look mexican I, I mean, or they're going to look Latino, you know. I mean, I'm half Mexican, half Puerto Rican. So, like, I know I got that colonizer blood <laughs> in me. I know I do. Because the Taino people were, I mean, there's a few left, but not many. Right. You know, so I know that my roots are not in the Taino people, probably. So, I mean, but I either way, I look a lot more like my mom. And my you mom, do. Yeah. So, I know that my kids would look. You got strong genes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so, like, that's one of my fears is that, like, they, they're they going to grow up confused here. Like, how I grew up confused here. Because, I okay, so, like, I remember growing up and we would learn about, like, the Native Americans when we were learning about, like, Thanksgiving and all that. Right. Like, and I remember they would show us photos and I was like, that looks like my Tio Joel. <laughs> I legit, I remember yes. having those thoughts where I was like, that looks like my Tio Lorenzo, what the hell? Yeah. Yes. Like, and I, I did, it wasn't connecting or clicking to me that I was indigenous because, or that I have indigenous people in my yeah. family because like the way that it used to be taught here is that you, if you are indigenous, like either you're already gone, they're dead. Right. Or you came here as a settler. Right. Like, that was the way it was taught to me as a kid. And so I remember one time we had to do this project on, like, our family tree, like, where we were from. And I was talking to my great-grandma, and I was like, so where are you from? And she was like, <laughs> oh, we're from, like, El Reparo and, and Guerrero. And so and so, yeah. Yeah. And, and I was like, okay, but what about before that? And she was like, no. Know. She was like, no, we're from there. She, and I was like, but where did you come from before? And she was like, nowhere from there and it was not clicking in my head yeah. that, that she was saying like like we are ancestrally from this land yes that is the land that we are ancestrally right. from and like and then i look at photos of her when like she was younger because she got to be 95 and so she was like old and wrinkly and like uh-huh. you know I, mean, I look at her photos when i was when she was younger and i was like oh she was indigenous <laughs> oh that makes sense she was saying that she's from there <laughs> you know like her bloodline is from this i love that. part of mexico see i wish i knew more than just a couple generations back because for mine i know that i mean 
you've seen pictures of my father. You've seen pictures of my grandpa. Morenito, super like in Indios, mm-hmm. right? And so I asked, like, oh, the you know, like where, where are we from? Oh, the Aguascalientes. Oh, okay. And then how about that? Like, oh well, we don't really, we don't really know. Like we've always been from Aguascalientes, but my grandma. You ha- oh you haven't seen pictures of my grandma from no, my, I haven't. from my dad's side, Werita, blonde blue eyes. She came from European. Yeah, like there's no there's no way contesting it. Yeah, was, she I, but she was the one that rebelled and married a, an Indio. That's mm-hmm. not my grandpa. You mm-hmm. know, like but I think for me it was at least when I grow grew up it was battling that like I know I have indigenous blood. And it's a colonizer blood. But I also have this Indio part of me. Mm-hmm. And so how do you live with that? And you're both. Yeah. You know, but like, in a sense, like, you lose so much of that being first gen. Yes. Because you're kind of here and you're... The thing of that, like, is also... Now that I'm older and I'm learning about, like, uh, resident... what is, Residential schools and, and like, uh, all of the ways that they um indoctrinate children yes all the missions oh yeah i mean it's education is still indoctrination yes to this day because we're learning the history of the united states almost always through the lens of the winner yep always through the lens of the settlers of the colonizers yeah and like think about how damaging that is to a little brown child or a small black child like when you're teaching them the history through the lens, like you're the loser and we're the winners. Yes. Because guess who's guess whose story is still being told? Exactly. Like guess who's still in positions of power to get to choose what stories are told in exactly. education. And I, and I still don't know like anything about myself. I don't know yeah. anything. Like, I mean, I know that my grandma was pro- more than likely indigenous. I mean, she looked indigenous, but I don't know anything about her her yeah. history or like their practice or like who they are or like where they where they were raised or like I don't know any of these things. And like, I think being first gen, a lot of it is that feeling of you losing your sense of self and who you are. Yes, and it's so much easier than to assimilate. It's yeah. so much easier to assimilate into this country and oh, into these yeah. cultures if you don't know who you are. Yes. And that's why so they do it. It's so much easier for them to, like, mold you into whatever machine, like, whatever they want you to be so that they could use you. Yeah. Because it's like, well, I, I don't know where my ancestors come, but I do know where, like, where, where what happened in the 1950s, and I know what happened, and I know who my presidents are, mm-hmm. and I know 4th of July... So I'm becoming more American. Exactly. And then they beat your your natural and native tongue out of you. Ab- oh, yeah. Oh, bitch. Ooh. Yeah. As a language teacher, that's one of my, like, lo que me hace enojar tanto. So much. Que te dice, ooh, don't speak, don't speak Spanish. Don't speak any of your native language. Don't speak African-American vernacular English. You're speaking this white standard mainstream english and then you get to choose it as an elective later on once you don't know it anymore yeah once you have no connection to it anymore yeah it's it's so powerful coming back into yourself i think as an adult and realizing that you still have your your language 
Yes. That well, they couldn't beat it out, out of you completely. To me, language is culture. Mm-hmm. So if you are erasing somebody's language, you're erasing their culture. Yeah. You are erasing the culture. That's why the, like, no sabemos Nahuatl, mm-hmm. no sabemos any of the other indigenous languages. Because if you erase the language, you erase the culture. And you erase the people. And you erase the people. Yeah, we were, when we were watching that movie for our language class, um, it was about pidgin, which is yes. like a dialect of English in in Hawaii. Yeah. And I remember when one of the speakers, of the, one of the people being interviewed, he was like, pidgin is the people. So if you erase pidgin, you erase the people. Ooh. And that's literally the same thing where it's like you erase or you you convince the world that this language is like inferior so then you convince all these other people that they are inferior because they speak that language and then you colonize them easier yes you break their spirit yes and i think something i i wrote this down yesterday that we had class where uh our my boss Mm -hmm. i had a meeting with him and i didn't tell you this but one of the things he said was like well you know this thing that happened was also with a white woman remember that one time so i kind of cussed out a white woman at work oh yes oh yes it was great she doesn't work for us she doesn't work there anymore it was amazing i told her everything and so something else happened this year happened to be another white woman and he's like well you know both of them were with with white women so i just he was trying to start that conversation of like do you have something against white women i was like stop stop it there but then in class, there is this white man who is very privileged and comes from a very privileged setting and uses his privilege to continue to further himself in society. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it clicked and I wrote the note down. I said, I'm not against white people. I'm against their privilege. Yes. Because it is so frustrating being a person of color and seeing them use that privilege to their advantage because that privilege came from the the killings of our people. Yeah. And that's where it clicked where it's like, I, that's what I hate. I hate when they like continue to advance because they get this power of being a lighter skin color and speaking quote unquote better english yeah and they usually only speak one language yeah bitch try speaking two yeah or three you know yes so it it that's what i i agree that's where a lot of the frustration comes from too where it's like and i've had many many white friends and like many cool i've known many many cool white people that i still to this day like they're sick and i love them and i'll call them you know but at the end of the day it it has more to do with understanding your privilege and like a lot of understanding for others their privilege comes from losing some of those privileges and that's why they're so scared of acknowledging the fact that they have a privilege because then they know it's unfair and that they get those things by default in society yes and that others don't yep oh yeah like because i think growing up so right we talked a little bit about growing up as as younger people but once i got older into high school and now i had to apply to colleges mm. and no one in my family ever 
I mean, no one in my family had graduated high school, let alone even attempted to go to college. I was one of, I mean, my older brother tried, but he was undocumented. So it got really expensive. And I mean, I still remember the day. Oh, I'm not going to get emotional. And I think that's a story that he could come and tell. But I still like remember the day that he had to drop out from college. Mm-hmm. Because he like we couldn't afford it. And he wanted to go to school and he wanted to continue. But paying three thousand dollars a semester at that time for my family. That's so much money. Was impossible. Yeah. And I could physically feel like his sadness. But it wasn't a sadness where it it was like, oh, I'll get over it. It was a sadness of like losing hope. Yeah. You know? Wow. And so that when I was applying, I felt guilty. And I still to this day, I think, feel guilty because I had the privilege. Yeah. I had the privilege to do more than he did. Yeah. And we kind of have to, and uh, yeah, growing up is, it's realizing that we're not, we're also not the victims of this story. We're actually the privileged ones in this story. Like, yeah, I mean, we face our own battles with the society of the United States, but, but in our households, we are the privileged ones. Yes. We're the ones that got to go to school and get to live a better life than our parents do and like. And I think in your case specifically, you with your brother, I mean, that's, that's tough. Yeah. I mean, cause I still, I'm now able to go get my master's degree and he had to stop. And now he's trying, now that years later, he can't go back. He has to work. He has kids. He has these other responsibilities cause his life couldn't just stop. Yeah. And it's now so much harder to continue to do that, even though now he can. But it took him 10 plus years to be able to get to this place. Wow. That's very true. Right? And it's hard to, I don't know, like grapple with that, that privilege. I mean, I was a 17 year old kid. Like I would get excited because the, like the acceptances would come in, but I would also try to hide the excitement and be like, yeah, like I, I got in because I knew that I was going to be able to go somewhere and he couldn't because I had the extra financial support by the simple fact that I was born here and he wasn't. Yeah. That it was out of our controls, how it happened. Yeah. These imaginary borders i mean a literal borders but like these like mental borders literally that they put on us like yeah. you can't do this because you weren't born 600 miles to the north yes literally yep that's it that's all it took for me to be able to get 3k a semester to go to school for free versus somebody who is like just as equal, like just as capable. I, I was talking about this with Davy, where it's like, you know, like undocumented youth. Like, say I have like a like a a person like who my contemporary, no, right, one of my friends who I want to 
yes. come on the podcast. Right. I mean, we went to school at the same time. Like, we were in the same choir. And when we all got to go to San Francisco to go sing, he went to San Francisco on the bus. I just got chills. When we went to San Diego, he couldn't go to San Diego for the same reason. When we got to go to sing at Carnegie Hall, he couldn't go. How was he going to get there? And he was way more talented than me. Yeah. He tried way harder than me. Yes. He it's so like amazing at his at his instrument. Like, thank God he was able to go to Cal State L.A. and graduate and like. He's a musician now. I mean, he's been a musician, but he's like a graduated musician. He works yeah. as he's a working musician every day. But dude, it's not the same. And we grew up like two streets away from each other. Yeah. But we did not have the same experience. Ooh, We're the same exact no, age. Yeah. We're the same exact. We grew up in the exact same city, <sighs> with two. And his family's from Mexico City too. Like I call him my primo. Like, but he his experience was so much, so much so fucking much different. Larger. Because he was born in Mexico City and I was born in LA. Yeah. Yes, the, literally the only reason. And why we we go to, uh, I don't know if we could disclose to where we go, but mm-hmm. the school that we are currently go, going mm-hmm. to get our, mad, our master's degree, that's the school that my brother was in and wanted to graduate from. Oh my God, dude. And so when I told him, I was like, yeah, I'm applying to this school for my master's degree. I mean, my heart was just like, fuck, I'm so sorry. But I don't know why I was sorry. Yeah. But I was so sorry. Because I, like, I mean, he could have done so much. I mean, he still has a great life. Yeah. He still works a great job, has wonderful girls, has a wonderful wife. I don't think he would have switched, like, changed anything. But part of me wish he could have tried oh yeah part of me where she was like oh you would have been a great professor yeah the stories you could have told as a chicano professor you would have been amazing yeah but that's the thing it's like they they get like so much of their future ripped away from them and like it's not even fair because it's not like it's not like they i don't know that's just what's so hard with like being in in this culture in this like undocumented documented first gen immigrant parents immigrant family member like lifestyle family like culture that we have where it's like you see like like my uncle is still a roofer but he's like 50 51 52 like yes like he can't how many years can he sustain that and he can't retire he can't do any of those things so what does he do like yeah you know and and you just see them like at this like you know when they came here when they were 30 or like late 20s early 20s it was like hope yeah and now it's like well where am i going to die yes and am i gonna work until i die yes oh my god yeah i mean i think this that same idea that you have been saying is something that um I have, I'm currently going through with everything that's happening with my dad because like, I don't want you to work at a factory forever. And sometimes I am okay with living their dream for a little bit because they get to live vicariously through me. And I mean, I, I think I said it in one of the other podcasts where my mom said, like, you, you are living my dream. Mm-hmm. You are living my dream because I wish I could have become a teacher. Yeah. 
and when I go home, I'm like, dang, I need to cut these papers, and she wants to help me, because it gets she gets to live part of the dream. Yeah, she does. Or when she gets to go and help me decorate my classroom, she gets to live part of the dream. Yeah, definitely, definitely, a hundred percent. Um, I think what's really interesting now is like, so I've been going back to Mexico City. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I have convinced my mom that I'm, well, I convinced myself and, and my boyfriend and one day you that we should all move to Mexico. <laughs> we should move back to Mexico and study and get our degrees in Mexico. And then if we want to come back, we can. But I want to buy a house in Mexico. Like, I want to, I want my mom and me to buy a home in Mexico. Oh. Because I think my mom deserves to move back to her homeland. Yeah. And I think a part of her wants to really bad. I think I I would want that too for my parents, but for them to move back to their homeland and enjoy it. Yes. Because they grew up working mm-hmm. nonstop. I want them to go back and just enjoy it. Yeah. Have that luxury to just live. Yeah. A hundred percent. Because it's like, I mean, I just want, I want her like, because they're going to retire. Right. And then what? Yeah. Like, my dad doesn't get a pension here. He won't get a pension. No. I mean, they pay taxes. They're the, they, they do everything. But they can't get a pension. No. They, they, they're not going to get Social Security. They're not going to get any of these things. And so I was like, well, let's buy a house in Mexico. And you can rent. You own this house. Rent the house out. Yeah. That will pay, be enough to pay off the mortgage and <laughs> for you to live like a balling lifestyle in Mexico. And this, you know what this reminds me of? Remember that one coworker that we had that was like, you know, the best way to be financially free is that you buy a home and then you buy a second home and you rent the first home out and then it pays for both of them. Do you remember yes, that story? That was crazy. And we both were just like, girl. What world do you live in? Yeah, I can't buy one home. How am I going to afford two of them? Like, reality check real quick. Yeah. No, that was kind of crazy. <laughs> but this is not that situation. Cause <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But now it's like, look at how, how like, because she's what? In her 30s? 30s yeah with no kids but she came from money yeah but it's like look at how far it had to take your your mom yeah to be able to get to that place exactly and it's not even a second home in the united states it's a second home in a whole other country (laughs) you know which she would spend all absolutely all of her savings just to get to get yeah um but i think it's i think it's worth it and i hope that she's willing to do it because i want to do it i want to live in mexico city i want to i want to be able to like Become fluent in Spanish again. Oh. You know what I mean? Yes. And I, I want her to be able to, like, live somewhere else. And, and I mean, live back where she is from. Be- you know what? When my grandma died, my mom, like, for one whole year was, like, going to therapy and was, uh-huh. like, not getting it. And then she got a grief counselor from Mexico. And she, like, sobbed because she was, like, you have no idea how nice it is to not have to find words for what I feel. Ooh. And I was like, fuck. Because it it is such a barrier to not have words for grief in the language that you 
like to try to s- explain to someone in English what you feel in Spanish. You're, yeah. f- you're feeling your feelings in Spanish, but you have to somehow translate them to it's English. English to help them understand. Yeah. To help you. Yeah. So it's like it's been like life changing for her to have Ooh. a group. And like, can you imagine like my dad? He in Guatemala. He got up to two years of mechanical engineering. Shut up. I swear to God. My dad was going to be an engineer in Guatemala. And he had to move here because if not, who the f- how he was going to die. He couldn't even afford to go to school anymore. So he was like, wow. in high school, he was like on and off in high school because right. he would go work for like a, a mechanic shop and then he would go back to high school and then he'd work for a mechanic shop and then he'd go back to high school. And he graduated high school that way by working and going. Uh-huh. And then, and I never knew this until I was working on with him on his papers and he explained this to me and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Like, that's how you had to live your life. He was like, yeah. And then when he went to college like and that's why he hated like art classes and like was never artistic because they always asked you to buy materials and he was poor as shit so he was like oh well i'm really good at math so i'll do mechanical engineering you need a pencil for that (laughs) yeah it was a fucking paper (laughs) and so he was gonna be a mechanical engineer my dad like this poor indigenous man from guatemala was like he figured it out somehow and then he moved here and then he was like uh i forgot what they called them oh uh, like the people who work at Home Depot, where they're just like waiting outside of Home Depot. Oh, jornaleros, or do you remember that? Yeah, algo así, creo. Yeah, he was just like a day laborer waiting outside of Home Depot. Like, can you like imagine how degrading that must feel to go from being like? And I mean, my dad was always poor, but like he was studying mechanical engineering to just like being a day laborer yeah. outside of Home Depot, waiting to get a job to get work. But that, that's easier wow. than dying in your country, like, from poverty. And I think that's what, like, a lot of people don't understand, is that they're, the people, los inmigrantes que vienen are, are people filled with dreams and hopes and were, like, these whole other individuals before they came here. Yeah. And that's why I think it was so easy to convince them to buy a home in Mexico, because I was like, when I was in Mexico, I mean, yeah, I was on vacation, sure, okay. But there's this feeling that my tias have, that my cousins have in Mexico, that my, I never see my mom have here. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. It's this feeling of, like, this feeling of security, not security, and not happiness, but it it's just, like, this peace. Yes. Where you're like, I es viernes. Yeah. You know? Where my mom never goes out. It's my dad never goes out. They work and they sleep and they work and they sleep. And that's been their life for like 30 fucking years. Yeah. How and, tiring is that? Yeah. And I was like, well, when I was in Mexico, like, you just like walk to the panaderia. And you're like, ay, don't miss those panes. Time goes by so, so sl- different. Yeah, so slow. slow. And they're like, hola, como estas? You know, es la señora de la estética. And then you stay like 30 minutes talking to your neighbor outside because you're just like, ay, doña Lupe. Yeah. Y sus gatos. Yeah. And like, you're just, ay, vamos a, vamos a comer, no sé. And they just go walking (laughs) to the little, you know, it's like this sense of peace, the sense of like, we got fucked up on a Thursday just for fun. 
And they were like, yeah, así me voy a trabajar, no te preocupes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Like, just, just, it, like, such peace and, like, I don't know, it's the, it's a peace that they never have felt here. And I know that because going there, I feel it. Yeah. And I had never felt my, like, never seen my parents feel that yes. way. Never. I agree. I agree completely. Yeah. Because it, like, when my grandparents would be like, yeah, we love to visit, but I would never live here. Mm-hmm. Because they felt so stuck, so like encerrados in who they are in this house, so they no puedes. Like the only days you have off are Saturday and Sunday sometimes. Like growing up, my dad worked Monday through Saturday. Yeah, my mom too. And then Sunday was the only day to rest, not mm-hmm. to go out and have fun. It's like, no, deja descansar. Yeah, 100%. It, it's it's a whole different world and that's why like i think it's so funny the first gen experience is going back to mexico and deciding you're gonna move back <laughs> because my mom is like my mom was like you know i worked so fucking hard to move here and to and establish now you want to life. go back and then yeah now you want to just move back to mexico where i fucking was my whole family was dying there and now you want to just go back there and i'm like yeah i do because because in moving here and in making me live here i lost so much of who i am yeah and i have felt lost for 27 years because yeah. i was neither here nor from there but when i'm there i feel more like i'm from there than from here yeah yeah because when you're over there they accept you and they love mm-hmm. you and you are them and here you're just never good enough no and i'm sure when i move there they're they'll always consider me american yeah but i'm i'd rather just be that but i would rather work harder to consider myself mexican than to have to have white people judge me for not being american enough yeah and to and my only acceptance is how much i've assimilated into whiteness yeah i don't want that to be my reality same i want to be i don't know multi-dimensional <laughs> <laughs> just, like, <laughs> just transforming yeah just like living past this experience and and past this label because I think that's another thing about living in the United States is that it's all about labels. It's like you're a person of color, you're a first gen, you're you're there's so many labels that come with like existing. Yeah. yeah. It's like not just like oh you're you're half indigenous or you're mixed race, you're this, you're that and when I was over there I was just like I was no one. I was just another person who looked like everybody else. And that I mean, was kind of nice. If anything, you were just like foreigner. But that's. But a foreigner who spoke like it. very good Spanish. Yeah. And they're like, oh, where are you from? And I think that's one of the beautiful things about our culture is that we are very accepting. Well, for the most part. Where it's like, ay, mira, lo vende. Like, join the party. Like, okay, you're a little foreigner. Just join the party, though. Yeah. You'll become Mexican soon. Yeah. <laughs> you know? They yeah. You're going to speak Spanish soon. Like, yeah. like, we'll teach you. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. It's like, okay. I could do this. <laughs> I could do this. Yeah. Uh, I think now that we are in this space where we're working adults, where we had lived through the challenges of navigating everything navigating medical school navigating friendships navigating legal things navigating college for the first time now navigating the workforce i think we've i have this like deeper understanding of the complexities that your identity is yes 
and in this case is like the identity of being a first gen because i don't think there's like a right or wrong way of being first gen and you're gonna continue always to learn about what it means to be a first gen yep right like now i have to have a fucking conversation i've decided yesterday we learned about microaggressions one of the things that lots of first gens will go through and i was realizing that i hate when because i am a spanish teacher people will come up to me and try to like joke around and say like how's my spanish ha 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 oh my god how is it hate that shit yeah but this is the process of learning. It's like, no, I I should stand up for what I know is wrong and like stand up for my community and my people and, and for the children that we are teaching. I think it always goes back to that for me. Like helping the now first gen kids. Yeah. Because we've been through that and we live through that and we know what they're going to go through. 100%. And I think just having like pointers people that like can help them navigate through this world i think for me it was my deal who he's like he's my role model and he i mean he was first he was um uh undocumented youth and now he's like has his papers and he's everything but he grew up here i mean at least enough that he is i think equally american and mexican you know um but he's like definitely one of those people that helped me guide me and my cousin too and like and just like like helped me see that the world is unfair for certain people and not for others, you know, and helped me even see my own privileges. Right. You know, and like yes. it's it's really important to have people who like kind of help you see that. Yes. Like, oh yeah, or help you understand that. Mm-hmm. But like I don't have privileges with some identities, but I do have privileges with others. Oh yeah. So how do I use those privileges? Oh yeah. For good. Definitely. Yep. I think moving on for this podcast, um it'd be cool to bring some people in. Definitely. And and that's our plan, right? We're going to Right, yes. From for after this podcast, we might have one or two other podcasts that are a little bit more neutral, more something about being a girl, some 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 <laughs> like more heartache, heartbreak stuff, love stuff. Um, but then we're gonna have a little mini series on specifically undocumented youth, undocumented people, yeah. and like their experiences because I think those are some of the most important voices to uphold. Yes, and I think having this platform allows us to give them voice, even if it's just in this setting. To, to share their story and to maybe even, like, comprehend and have this informal therapy yeah, about what they've been through. Yeah, because, I mean, that's what I was explaining to Davey earlier is that, like, our we only know so much of their struggle. Yes. And and it's also important for us to take the backseat because yeah. we're, we want to – sometimes we, we want – like yeah, we're we're telling the story, but like we're always we were still at the same time first gen. So it's not like we know firsthand what it feels like to to fear. Like yeah, I yeah. feared for my dad, but like but I wasn't the per- the person that was, was going to get deported. Yeah, and so like I want to hear from them, and it's important to hear like whoever listens to this podcast to hear them in their own words what that feels like. Yeah, 
because every single marginalized voice needs to be heard yes and i think we have the privilege of having this podcast of never fearing like any type of having that fear yeah any repercussions or anything Uh you know so i think that's why it's important for us like in our space of privilege to bring in people who don't have the privilege of 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 being able to speak up and tell their story yes for sure for sure yeah and i'm very excited for that me too it's gonna be awesome and it's gonna be recorded we're gonna it's gonna be filled youtube everything and we're just, <laughs> it just it's just gonna be awesome absolutely okay yeah let's do it <laughs> all right thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast uh it, this is to my teenage self lavana ikari it was recorded at the sound vibe music studio here in gardena and uh we will see you guys next time yes yeah bye adios